Okay, could you hear me talking right now? Yes, I can. Okay, I messed that up. Sorry, as you were saying? It's okay. I've, I figured out my problem, too, so it's, it's all good. I just, I, I got some tunes running in the background. You listen to music while you do this? Yeah. How? In my headphones. How do you hear me? It's much quieter than you. It would just be like as if we were sitting at a table with a stereo on in the background. So why don't you ever share the tracks that you're listening to with the people? <laughs> so it would get people would realize that I just listen to the same things over and over again. What are you listening to? Jack Johnson. Is that all you ever listen to? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Welcome to the Toronto Beer Podcast in this season two, episode four, I believe is what I put on the file name. And that's what I'm going to go with. Mandy, how are you doing tonight? I'm great tonight, Chris. How are you doing? I'm good. I've got a bit of a jazz voice going on. Apologies to uh, our friends out there in podcast land. Uh, I could do a jazz radio show, though. This is why I call this my jazz voice. So I can be like, yeah, that was uh, that last track. That was uh, John Noel uh, recorded right here in Toronto. Uh, wonderful song, that. See, that's what everyone on uh, on the jazz radio station sounds like. You can count me out for that one and find a new co-host. You don't want to do the jazz radio podcast? No, I'm good. You got to do something where somebody... You always want somebody to have played Vibes. Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, Sam Coltrane on Vibes. Always. It's perfect. I don't think I'm your match for that one. Sorry. Ow. I just accidentally hooked one of my nipple rings on my shirt. That hurt. Anyway, ah, moving right along. Podcast. This podcast has gotten really re- really weird really quickly. <laughs> yeah. We really took a left turn right out of the gate there. What happened there? Let's get back to the notes. Uh, hey, Mandy, what are, you, are you drinking something right now? I am, Chris. You, you cracked up um, something delicious? Yeah, I think I've been drinking a grandstand the past two weeks, so I decided not to bring that home today. I thought you were going to um, say you did just intentionally. No, I didn't want to do that. Uh, I, pro- Can I, guess? I think I promised in the last podcast that I would drink something different and more seasonal, as you called it. Uh, so I am holding up to my end of the, the deal. Okay. But I'd forgotten about the seasonal part. I was just going to assume that you were drinking the sour, which I had today, and it was delicious. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. And no, that's not uh, what I'm drinking. Want to guess again? Well,. I mean, a lot of people would think Ephus is seasonal because they identify darker beers with the colder months. Would that be it? It's not. Nope. I give up. I'm drinking a bricks and mortar coffee porter. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the same sort of reason. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Hmm. I'm drinking diacetyl. Oh, yum. So, so you don't want to yeah. name the beer, I guess. Oh, I have no problem naming it. I made it. Uh, oh, and I know exactly why there's diacetyl in it. It'll go away. It's just got a little touch of it from the bottle condition. Um, I I was impatient. We only uh, primed and bottled last week, and so I haven't really given it a proper rest, but I wanted to see how it was coming. And I probably should have known that it was going to taste diacetyl today, but I checked it in the fridge and opened it up anyway. So all you homebrewers at home, remember, guys, go slow. It's not going to hurt. Just go slow. You got to wait. So. You, the beer needs time. You got to give the beer the time it needs. You got to just, there's no, there's no shortcuts in this business, guys. You got to do what you got to do. Take your time. So, but it's an IPA and I screwed it up, but it doesn't taste too bad. If you can ignore the diacetyl, the screwed up parts aren't awful. So that's good. Not a glowing (laughs) endorsement. There's a reason why we call our homebrewing club Crooked Bullseye. 
if we hit the bullseye, it's because obviously the bullseye was in the wrong place. So <laughs> that's where we got that name from. So good times. That good times. Uh, anything stand out in the past little while that you drank? You know what? Same boring old answers. I haven't had the opportunity to drink too much else out there. Although I visited the craft in Liberty Village recently. Mm, yeah, I've been um, hearing a lot about that. Yeah, you should get down there. There's some some good stuff. Um, I've enjoyed. This could be the corner of the podcast. It's called the Mandy tells Chris to go to a bar that he probably won't get to because he's lame and stays home. Come corner. on, you gotta get down there. You're a beer guy. You have to explore all the newer beer places. I do really want to get to Folly. Your repertoire is getting old. Yeah, I said this in the last the last episode. I, know. You got, I still haven't done it. You but... have to get to Folly. Have to. Okay, here is my top three bars that I need to get to. Not just according to Mandy Murphy. This is my actual working three. Uh, and in no particular order. Okay? Okay. Here they are. Lansdowne Brewery. Folly. And a uh, new little bar, actually, Mandy, you might know about it, come to think of it, because it's right in your head. Uh, shore Leave, or The Shore Leave, pardon me. I do, yeah. I haven't been out there yet myself, even though it's just steps from my front door. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nearly your local, really. Mm-hmm. I haven't checked it out yet, but I've been hearing good things, and they've ordered a couple of kegs from us, so I definitely need to make my way out there. Yeah, I know the guy's obviously from the only cafe, yeah. and uh, so strong cocktail menu apparently, which I'm pretty excited about. I think uh, I might drag Erica out there one night once my mom's back from Saskatchewan and can be free babysitter. And uh, I'll probably have a beer at some point, but man, I like a good cocktail. So yeah, it's, it looks like it's a good time. It looks like a fun place to go, and being pretty local to both you and I, you got to check it out. The craft too, you have yeah. to add that to your list. Make that number four. It's a good one. Okay. They, it's officially they work, spot four on a three-place list. They work super hard to get a pretty gigantic selection of uh, craft beers. Oh, I can't remember if it's 100 taps or 200 taps, but it's like an astronomical number of taps. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's 100, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, it's a lot. And uh, there's windows looking into the draft bridge just so you can see how spick and span the place is and how much attention they pay to it. So it's... It's pretty nice. They have a couple of our beers on draft, but I, when I went, of course, I didn't drink anything of our own because uh, I can drink that all the time. So I had a, uh, there was a pear sour by Blood Brothers, mm. like a Berliner Weiss style, a kettle sour. And what else did I have? I had some kind of a pumpkin sour from Great Lakes, a Brewdog IPA, and just some stuff I wouldn't have really been able to get my hands on many other places. So it was nice. Sweet. Yeah. That does sound good. I have been to no bars. That's not true. I had a great bar experience this weekend. I was, uh, well, funny enough, not the first place you would think of for bars, but uh, me and the family went out to Great Wolf Lodge this past weekend, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is a uh, a hotel in Niagara uh, with a very elaborate um, water water park inside of it it also has it's very kid friendly obviously this place it's got this thing called magic quest which is this interactive participation based game that the kids can play and they get a wand and they have to go on this sort of like scavenger hunt around the facility which is kind of cool the kids really dug that and they have like story time and music time with the kids and it's it's very, very kid friendly. It's very cool. They had a ball. Uh, I don't, I don't do great with crowds, and I also don't do good with what I call angry parents, which is you know the parents who you they just scream at their children all the time, 
and I find I have some sort of magnetism for angry parents. So when we go places, I find angry parents and that just makes me feel not great. So, uh, that part wasn't awesome, but the, the rest of the trip was fantastic, but possibly my not kid related highlight would be on the Saturday evening. Um, the kids were listening to story time and, um, because the hotel is licensed, it's a hotel. You can wander around with alcohol. You can't go into the, Oh no, you can go into the water park. You can't bring your own in obviously there. Cause it's like a separate space. It's like its own bar, but you can wander around the water park with alcohol, which is amazing. And, uh, and yeah, you can, you can be in the foyer with, with alcohol. So we'd actually had a couple of beers in the room and we just kind of poured them into a cup and taken them down. But then I ran out. So I went into the bar and I'd seen they had, um, steam whistle signage up and I was like, great. Like I wasn't expecting this place to even have steam whistle. It transpires. They also had Oast House on and somebody else local, not Silversmith, but somebody else, which was amazing. So I got an Oast House and the best part was the bartender said these exact words to me for here or to go. And I was like, that's awesome to go. And she put it in a plastic cup and I walked into the foyer with it. It was amazing. Best Oast House I ever had. Even though I hadn't really left, I was still physically in the same building. It's just that sense of leaving the bar with the alcohol was wonderful. Just knowing you could go wherever you wanted with that drink is uh, it's pretty great. I could go out to story time and not ruin any children's lives. It was amazing. That's just awesome. I was just going to say, as you were telling the story, they better have had Oast House. And they did. That's pleasant. That's so such a pleasant surprise. It's great. They did. Yeah, we... Uh, we went to uh, a pizza joint too the Friday night called Bravo. And uh, I don't think they had Oston, but they had Silversmith. And I found out after the fact it hadn't been put on the list yet, but they also had uh, Brimstone. So it was, it was great. I mean, that place we hadn't gone to for beer selection really at all, but uh, there they were. They had a really nice beer selection. I was very impressed. It's a nice little surprise. It's great. That's uh, exactly what they should be doing is supporting their local breweries. Absolutely. Uh, okay. On with the show notes. On with the show notes. Hey, my beer videos are up. I have only been talking about them for a long time. And so it's called Sight Glass Videos. You can look me up on YouTube. Just search Sight Glass Videos. There's the introduction video, which will explain the name. So don't bother asking. There's already a video that covers it. And uh, and then the first episode featuring Brian O'Donnell from Bose. And actually, by the time you're listening to this podcast, the second episode, which is uh, covering Crowlers with Dana Guy from Tooth and Nail, will also be up. So just moving right along. In fact, as you're listening to this podcast, there is a good chance that I will be working on editing up Open Fermentation with Ron Keefe from The Granite. So very excited about that. So if it sounds like Chris isn't paying attention, it's because he's not. What, right now tonight? Right. Right. (laughs) No, I actually even closed Premiere. The only Adobe program I have open right now is Audition, and I'm recording on it. So Good stuff. My attention is wholly yours, Mandy. Wholly yours. Okay, that's that it. That's it. That's <laughs> That piece went just flew by. Uh, so we talked about this, about the Alberta anti-competitive tax scheme on beer. And sure enough, here we have it. From the Edmonton Journal, uh, the first craft brewery has publicly pulled out of selling in Alberta, and it's our good friends up at Muskoka. They have said, nope, we are shutting down our Albertan sales operation uh, come the year's end because we just can't compete at these prices. And And 
I agree. Good for them. I would have done the, the exact same thing had I been in their position. They invested significantly to enter that market. You need to invest significantly if you want to enter any new market. Like it, it, You can't just arrive. You, you need to hire and train and invest in marketing materials and build relationships with retailers. And it's like they spent all this time and energy doing that. Um, and then the, the tax changes are just basically a slap in the face. So um, I don't blame them, them at all for walking. I, I just feel for the, the entire team that they had just brought on board and all the training they had been doing out there. Like That really sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah, really sucks. Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, part of the argument is, you know, this is good for business, for local businesses, gives them a break. But yeah, just because the business isn't local, undoubtedly, Muskoka would have hired salespeople within the province. They would have had to. It's the only way they could have gone into all the stores. And so maybe the boost means that other breweries will have the finances to pick up those salespeople. But that doesn't seem to be super likely to me. So, well, certain, Alberta? Certainly not immediately. And I don't think it's good overall for the growth of craft beer in general. Like It, it may specifically benefit craft brewers in Alberta and obviously mm-hmm. in BC. Um, but I just don't see it. I don't see how it could be contributing to the growth of craft beer in general in that market. Like breweries like Muskoka and Steam Whistle and Mill Street, like they, they are the ones who were well positioned to start converting taps from like yellow fizzy water to flavorful beer. And that's where you're going to see like the growth of craft start. And so with the, without those large breweries in that market, I don't know. I just think it's a, an uphill battle for craft beer overall. Yep. I agree entirely. Alberta, you suck. (laughs) Um, Following out of that, unless you have anything else you want to add to it, but I don't think so. I think that's all we need to say. No, I'm kind of grumpy about it. It's best if I don't talk about it anymore. Well, speaking of grumpy, I'm dropping in the beer store part here. Go for it. Mandy. Yes, Chris? I know that as a small Ontario brewer... You have been presented with an opportunity to impact beer sales in the province in a core and foundational way. Have I? You have been offered the opportunity to, I don't even know what, run for the seat or uh, apply or buy a lottery ticket for the seat. But you could have one of the seats of the board of directors at Brewers Retail International, also known as the Beer Store, which until now has been run by the three companies who want most to destroy you and everything you've grown and built with love and care. And now you can be part of that team. Isn't that amazing? Not really. No, it's not. (laughs) Not at all. It's like, it's a joke. I don't know, Chris. It's like, you can, you can be facetious all you like and i'm sure you probably read ben johnson's you're laughing at your jokes here um i'm sure you you read ben's beer blog today and like the piece of satire that he wrote about um the beer store board of directors uh and how it's what did he call it a token gesture board seat to one small brewer and that's really what it is it's uh the the beer store it is like a from their perspective, changing their entire model and um, changing how the the board of directors seats are distributed and really changing the game of beer sales in Ontario. But um, what I said to you, Chris, when you asked if we want to talk about this tonight was that 
not not really because I tuned out a long time ago that's the goodness and honest truth it's like I don't really care about the beer store it's not it's not a place where a brewery the size of mine is going to realize any great successes it's just not a place we want to not not a place we want to play um for many of the reasons that you had already already mentioned it's just like politically I just don't agree with it um and one board seat offered to small breweries I I care even less. Like I really don't care if they're. How are the board seats distributed? It's four for Molson, four for Labatt. Um, is it two or three for breweries that are like the size of Moosehead and Sleeman? Sleeman, yeah, and et cetera, Brick. et cetera, yeah. And then there are three or four independent board members. Four independent, nominated by a selection committee, jointly represented by the province of Ontario <laughs> and the current beer store owners. That's great who have clearly already shown themselves adept at handling the finer points of managing Ontario's retail beer sales and liquor legislation. So I am not a mathematician, but I am not unskilled in the mathematical world. That looks a lot to me like 14 directors. That's correct. Of 15. So the the 15th seat and the one single seat to represent the only growing segment of beer in the province and the only segment that's grown beer overall as a category in the province over the past, I don't know how many years, I think dating back to 2006, potentially. Um, yep. No other segment has seen any growth, potentially imports, but I think mostly just craft beer, um, is represented by one board member. Come on, give me a break. It's ridiculous. Like, the, why even show up to the meetings? You're, you're, it, it makes no sense. It's completely pointless, and I tuned out a long time ago. So that's all I really have to say about that. Uh, just in case, um, you actually kind of clipped out for a second on, on me when you were talking, uh, your initial reaction. So I don't know if you fully covered this or not. If you did, I'll just cut it in post. But, uh, for those of you following along at home, if you haven't read Ben's wonderful, uh, post, it will be in the show notes. I would highly recommend it because Ben is a funny, funny guy who also deals with facts. But as per the new, uh, uh, requirements of the beer sales agreement. Yeah. The beer store had to open itself up more. And as we've just discussed, they, they have a 15 member board of directors and exactly one of them will be drawn from, uh, what's it here? Ontario based breweries that sell less than 50,000 hectoliters per year through the beer store. I am not sure, but I'm pretty sure that Steam Whistle might be the only brewery that would be approaching that. Would you agree with that fact? Yeah, but I'm... Mill Street would have been too, but they're yeah, owned by... I'm not ADI sure that they're, they'd be that high because this is specifically through the beer store. And mind you, I don't believe any of the Steam Whistle draft volume, which is a huge chunk of it. It goes direct, right? Yep. And then a huge chunk yep, goes through right. the LCBO. So I don't think they'd be any... I don't know for sure, but if I had to place a bet, I don't think they'd be near the 50,000 specifically in the beer store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I think they produce more than 50,000, but I just I finished reading the sentence that I hadn't finished. And it's yeah, it's who sell less than 50,000 hex per year through the beer store. And so, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right that nobody uh, I'm <laughs> editing myself here. Yeah, nobody who is Ontario owned and operated fits that. So anybody who's le- legitimately an Ontario based operation gets one seat at the 15 seat table. Well, the, which, as Ben satirically points out, 
the only is just in keeping with tradition. The only exception would be brick, right? I thought I don't brick isn't independently owned anymore, are they? I thought they were owned by somebody else. I've lost track of what happens with brick. You know what? So have I. I'm not sure. I'm looking it up right this instant. Brick Brewery. Um, they own Waterloo and Laker. Oh, wait. I would have done better to go to Wikipedia for this one. Um, Brick claims to be the largest Canadian-owned and Canadian-based publicly held brewery in Ontario. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. It is publicly traded on the TSX, BRB. Correct. <laughs> They're BRB. Right. Be right back. That's kind of funny. Uh, okay, here we go. They no, they just operate a bunch of people. Yep. Yep, they are independent. I'll give them that. There you go. It's just Jim left in 2008. So anyway, now, now that we've covered that, they're a publicly traded brand on the TSX. If you want to own a piece of a uh, brewery, why don't you go ahead and hit up some BRB on the TSX? Uh, anyway, okay, so Brick fits that. But anyway, the, the point is, as always, the beer store, in spite of like a direct directive, if you can say that, um, to be more open and more accommodating, has not been even remotely open and accommodating. So this will be the scene in the show when I remind you, dear listener, if your choice is buy beer at the beer store or don't buy beer, maybe think about don't buy beer. Maybe make your own. Or maybe go someplace else, because unless you live in a very, very rural neighborhood, um, there's likely a brewery within a reasonable drive that you could probably procure your beer directly from. There are now over 200 in the province. So get out and support your local brewery. I agree with you, Chris, but I also don't agree with you on semantics there. If you if you if you must buy beer at the beer store because you have no other options for buying beer. You should I see where you're going. You should choose beer from a brewery that has absolutely no say, even though they may have somebody uh, who's a shareholder or who sits on the board of directors um, in that one single seat. But if more people didn't buy beer from a small brewery at the beer store, the small brewery will eventually say, this isn't worth my while paying my competition to list a product that isn't selling well. I'm going to stop paying them to list a product that isn't selling well and focus on markets where I do sell well. So that's my thoughts. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Okay. Hey, we're in the business of selling beer, Chris. Well, I'm not, I'm in the business of buying beer. <laughs> I meant and drinking beer. I meant we like me and the other brewery people. Yeah, no, I, I, and, and I totally get that. And you make decisions based on, what you think is going to benefit the beer sales the best, your bottom line the best. And if people opted to make the beer store an unattractive option to craft brewers, then they wouldn't support that model. The reason why people sell at the beer store is because people will buy it there. Agreed, so but with your I have the, as a craft brewery owner, like just to play devil's advocate here, as a craft brewery owner in Toronto, I have a lot of avenues and opportunities and sales channels by which to get my beer to people and to access the consumer. Um, one of them is my own brewery store. The other is the LCBO. They've happened to take on, taken on one of our listings um, and everything else would be through a licensee partner. Um, but if I was a brewery in a rural area and the LCBO has only taken on one of my beers or said no to a listing, nobody's necessarily coming to my brewery shop unless they're coming into town or it's like a tourist thing or it's a local local community, which is much smaller um, and so in many cases, those rural breweries do list in the beer store 
as a way to access the consumer. I, yeah, but I was telling the consumer to go to the brewery. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I know yeah. I'm being idealistic about this. You totally are. I just still think, I just still think, yeah, no, that's a good way to to demonstrate to your friendly local craft brewery that you don't value them having to pay their competition to sell their product. Right. I agree. So. Whenever possible, take your empties back, get your money. And when they ask, is there anything you'd like today? Just say no, just my money and turn around and leave. That's what I do. I would encourage you to do that if you can buy craft beer elsewhere. The ideal place to buy it is directly from the brewery. But if that's not an option for you, heck, go to the LCBO and grab it there. Maybe someday we will live in a world where breweries can open their own offsite retail stores now, to, you to make it more convenient for you, the consumer, to buy beer somewhere close to home directly from small brewery um, owners or people who who have a say in like how craft beer runs and operates in this province. Um, but until then, visit the brewery. Go out of your way to do it. It's uh, You're going to get the freshest possible beer there anyhow. And it's fun. I've never visited a brewery and not had a really nice time. So uh, even today, just recently, I was at a lovely little brewery in Leslieville called Left Field, and it was wonderful. I'm glad you enjoyed. You have quite the menorah. I like it. Thanks. It's a beautiful menorah made of Left Field bottles and candles, <laughs> and uh, I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, I had, I said, I already said I had the sour, gave my buddy a, uh, an ephus on nitro which is a pretty cool thing. He was pretty stoked on that. Beauty. So yeah, yep. go to your local craft brewery. You kids. need to come on back, Chris, because we got the Christmas tree up today and it is a charmer. It, that like I left at like three 30. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I put the tree up at four. Uh, hmm. I missed the tree. If you ever wanted to decking. see a tree covered in old packaging, garbage covered in sparkles, <laughs> our brewery is the place to be. Nice one. Yeah. That's uh, what's the star made out of? Uh, a can. We took the the shrink wrap off the can, and mm. Mark cut the can in a way that it made all these springy, coily things that are on the top of the tree. Mm. Uh, we haven't really named what it is yet. It's not a star. It's not an angel. It's like a springy can thing. Not a great name. Um, yeah, we covered all of our old tags that we put on the beer. We covered them in sparkles, and we made bottle cap garland with twine and bottle caps. So the only things purchased were the. The glue, the sparkles, and the twine, everything else came from packaging materials. That's awesome. Yeah. I like handmade Christmas, holiday, whatever you celebrate, decorations. Uh, Erica made a lovely wreath for the front door out of, uh, we had a glut of just very plain, uh, like, baubles for the Christmas tree of varying sizes. So she strung them up on a coat hanger and made a wreath. Those are beautiful. I've always wanted to do it. It was very Pinteresty, and uh, I would say quite successful. So, and of course, you know, you get the kids; uh, they like to cut out the snowflakes. We normally have a window full of snowflakes by mid-December, so that'll be good. I've actually got, uh, I've got these uh, sheets that are designs. So you fold along certain lines, and then you follow a cut pattern. And when you unfold them, there are snowflakes that are uh, Star Wars themed. So there's oh, like. My stormtroopers and yeah it's very cool so i'm gonna do those with ben he's gonna lose his mind i'm not gonna tell him what they're gonna be until i unfold them and then he'll just oh my goodness excitement i was loving where you were going yeah. with that until they became star wars themed but that's pretty cute he'll like what? it what yeah. oh come on <laughs> don't be anti-geeky like that you love star wars i don't actually i don't hmm 
Like actually don't like it or you just don't get the hype? Uh, I guess I just don't get the hype. It's just not my thing. I don't know. Well, okay. That's fine. But that's fair. I don't get the hype on a lot of things, so I shouldn't be so judgy. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to throw one at you. This is a real curveball. Oh, boy. Okay. This is a test. You know I like being put on the spot. Yes, I know. You do. Things not in the show notes? Let's try this one on for size. Mandy? Yes, Chris? I've got a bailout, okay? So if you really need to pull a cord on this, I got a, I got a plan B. So don't be too worried, okay? Yep. But plan A. Tell me a little, uh, a little holiday-inspired uh, food you could make using a left-field beer. Make using left-field beer? Yeah, like as an ingredient. Or, like, not a pairing, like an ingredient. It's in the food. I have a favorite holiday pairing that's just so easy, but I'll get back to that one. Um, My stuffing or my dressing, I don't like to stuff the turkey with the dressing. I used to do that, but I just love stuffing so much that I make it on the side in its own separate pan or tray. I used to do two Mm. of them just because it's, like, it's the best thing on the table, according to me. Um, Much safer, too. Much safer. Yeah, true. And I just, I don't get enough of it putting it in the turkey and the bird doesn't cook as fast, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I like to make like giant amount of amounts of stuffing. Um, you just want the fatty spiced bread. Yeah, I'll, I'll, that's all I need. Me uh, too. But with me, I have like celery and raisins and rice and I put all kinds of stuff in it and I love it. That's my mm. mom's recipe. And then I've sort of like, made, like taken a bit of creative license on my mom's recipe and adapted it over the years. Um, You've open sourced it. Yeah, so back in the day, I was using like a spiced cider to make uh, to make the stuffing. And this year, and I don't know if it'll it'll work well or not, but I was thinking of trying some like spicier holiday ales or spiced beers. And I know we talked last week about how that's not my favorite style or my go-to style for holiday mm-hmm. drinking, but I think it would be really nice to make the dressing or the stuffing with that. Uh, and I'm gonna give it a go. I, I don't I don't know how it'll work, but it's uh, a point of inspiration for me this year. Nice. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. What about you? I have one that I honestly didn't pre-plan. I just thought of it right now, but uh, I'll give it to you. It's uh, so you, you need to understand that uh, generally speaking in my household, we'll do the big meal on Christmas Day, sort of 2 p.m. So it's more of a more of a lunch. That's what we do, too. It's but, my favorite because uh, then you can have uh, leftovers for dinner. Later, well, later so, in the evening. Yeah, you can do that. You could do the turkey sandwiches for dinner. Um, but you might also maybe, maybe, I don't know, you've got people in and you want to be a little bit more impressive, not just have leftovers at dinner, save the leftovers for Boxing Day. Well, you could make a, uh, a, a, a like a meat pie, like a steak and Guinness pie, except instead of Guinness, you use up some of your, uh, your ephus in there. I bet that'd go real nice. Malty. You know, real good body on the beer, so you're gonna get a lot of the, a lot of the residual sweetness carries through. I think that'd be the winner. I think honestly, and I'm a fan of Guinness. I think it would be better than Guinness and a steak and Guinness pie. I've done it before with a Guinness stew. I've I've done Ephus, and I cook with Ephus a lot. It it lends itself really well to lots of different recipes. Um, but the steak thing is throwing me off. Do you have steak? Is your like is this a new steak? Did you cook it originally in your in your lunch meal? Where did the steak come from? And on Christmas, it's, just, it's weird. Just steak. Just steak. You just have it on hand. Steak at Christmas, I don't, because eh? I don't eat steak. Yeah. yeah, but the point, too, with a with a pie like that is uh, you would use a very tough piece of, of steak, so like a flank steak mm-hmm. or, 
you know, um, something, something for marinating and, and, and braising more. And yeah, you just cut it. But the beautiful thing there is you could make the pie in advance and just have it in the fridge and, you know, whack it in the oven at 5 PM and it'd be ready to go for a late dinner. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I would be all over doing that. We, uh, we eat so much turkey leading up to Christmas because I have family events that happen Christmas Day and Christmas Eve. And then there's other stuff ahead of Christmas that we do. And it's like turkey, 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 turkey. And so by the time Boxing Day rolls around, we're all turkeyed out. Uh, and in my family, we celebrate Boxing Day with my dad's side of the family. All of my aunts, uncles and cousins on that side get together and it rotates houses every year. So when mm. it was most recently at our house, um, we had done braised, Ephus braised short ribs. Delicious. Mm. So, so good. good. Um, so yeah, Ephus works really well with uh, braised, braising things and lots of meats and stews and stuff like that. It's really good. Nice one. Okay, throw me that that pairing because that was also, by the way, was Plan B. If you were really, you know, faltering, I was going to be like, give me, give me a good holiday pairing for beer and food. Have I ever told you about this one before? No, my my, mm. it's probably my favorite beer pairing ever of all beer pairings. So we were on the beach in Jamaica a few years ago. Um, okay. Had we were staying at this little like cottagey place because on vacation I tend to like to cook my own meals and exploring the markets and stuff is one of my favorite things to do. Oh, actually, whenever we go on vacation, I like to grocery shop as a, a tourist activity. Um, <laughs> so we were at the market and we picked up these little uh, just like Jamaican ginger snap cookies. Okay. And we were drinking Guinness Extra Stout. And on the mm. beach, I just like grabbed a cookie out of my beach bag and drank some Guinness Extra Stout. This probably doesn't like say beachy to a lot of people. It's not something everyone's drinking in the hot sun, but it was just. It is if you're Jamaican, yeah, but anyway. So delicious. And it was just an amazing moment for me. I had never even thought like ginger snaps or ginger cookies and this Guinness Extra Stout paired together would be anything. I didn't even think anything of it. And just putting the two things in my mouth, I'm like, this is amazing. Um, so now every year I try to have a variety of um, dark beers like porters and stouts on hand when I'm doing my annual baking. Um, mm -hmm. My great great grandmother had a a really soft cookie like ginger cookie recipe that was always made Ooh. in my family i love those um they're like really cakey and yeah, they're tiny yeah. little things but they're like really soft and cakey almost like mini little ginger cakes um mm. uh, and so i make them every year it's a, a family tradition my my one cousin makes them as well um but it was my great great grandmother's recipe my grandma always made them growing up it was something we did with my mother growing up uh, she often makes them but some years she'll just give me a call and <laughs> asks me if i'm going to be making them because uh, she doesn't really feel like doing it and she wants to make sure somebody's going to do it. So it's something that I get a lot of enjoyment out of doing. And uh, I always try to taste new porters and stouts as I'm baking them, taste them along the way because they just go so well together. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like my ginger snaps not to snap. I like them to squish. And I like them sort of like a semi-flattened ball that's been rolled in white sugar. Yeah, that's exactly how I make them. Yeah, the, I can visualize those. They're, it's like a German cookie, I think. Is it? I don't know. That's what I think I of it when I have they're it. They're more molasses than they are ginger. Yeah, mostly molasses, a little bit of ginger, and they're very cakey. The The outsides aren't quite hard, but they're firm. Yeah. And then, yeah, the centers are like doughy. Oh, those are those exactly are the ones. They're my favorite cookies. I make them every year. Man, I like those cookies. We've got the bake sale at the church next week, and I'm hoping to score some of those at the bake sale. And actually, uh, a woman at the church, uh, Amy, uh, she does these, I can't remember what she calls them like Aztec something or other cookies and they're 
they're actually sort of like those ginger snap cookies. They're normally a bit smaller, but they're these cakey balls. But they're just like somehow it's like cakey dark chocolate. Like there's no cakiness. It's just like airy chocolate somehow. Oh, they're amazing. Yum. That sounds really and good. And then they're dusted in cocoa. Oh, yum. they're good. That sounds awesome. Open call, by the way, listeners at home. If if you don't do a lot of baking like Mandy and you want some lovely handmade goodies from everyone's granny, St. Aidan's in the Beach next Sunday, which is, I don't know what it is. It's the, uh, the 16th, maybe? No, that's not right. 18th. Uh, yeah, come and buy some cookies. Next it's going Sunday? To Wait a minute. A is next Sunday, are you talking the 13th or is it on the 20th? It's the 13th. I did the math okay, backwards okay. when I added days. So this coming Sunday. This coming Sunday, the Very 13th. Good. Good. Thank you for clarifying. Support the Syrian refugee family we're sponsoring by coming and buying delicious baking and eat it all immediately if you want. You don't have to come to church. You can just come after. Open call. Um, got any winter events that you can think of? I've got one. It's We can talk about it a few more times and probably will because it sounds like I might be... I don't know, running a contest for tickets or something. I don't know what, but uh, Burlington Beer Fest apparently does a winter flavored version and it's coming up at the end of January. And I've just been talking to them today and I think I'm going to go check it out. So I'm pretty stoked. I spent a lot of time in Burlington as a child. So it's like home. Cool. We've not done that one yet. Um, so let me know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Report back on that. Uh, I will uh, report in full. We will be doing, uh, it's like January 30th or 31st, whatever the Saturday is, January 30th. We'll be 30th, doing the Roundhouse yeah. Craft Beer Fest, but I think we talked about that one before. Have we? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we talk about it a lot. Oh, it's so good. It's the best. The Burlington Fest is that Friday and Saturday, so I might have Ooh, to. a little competition. Might have to do all of it. So. Wouldn't be the first time I've done something like that. A little beer fest Hop competition on our hands. I don't think yeah. they've ever overlapped like that before, but I might be wrong. Hmm, we'll have to see. We should do... Oh, you're serving at Roundhouse, right? Uh, undecided. I might be at the brewery or I might be there. We, we're short-staffed that weekend, so I'll be working somewhere. Ah, because I was going to say we could do another live recording. That'd be fun. Yeah, if I'm there, we should totally do it. Okay. Planned. Done. Locked in. I have so much fun at that one. Like, I, I put on my ski outfit. Like, I wear snow pants to the festival. Um, you need to. Yeah, you it's really should. Kind of dumb if you don't, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I love being outside in the winter, even if it's really, really cold. It's my favorite. As soon as it starts snowing, I get the biggest smile on my face and I'm the happiest person uh, for a couple of I days. I am very much the same. The first major snowfall really, really makes me feel really good inside. So that's great. Uh, okay. Well, hey, so, uh, if we do one more around the 21st ish, which is the plan, That'll be great. We'll do that. Will be the Christmas extravaganza. I'll even have done some homework and found some cool Christmassy stuff. Um, cool. But, and we uh, also need to do a year on wrap up. So think about how we want to do that. Yeah, it occurred to me even after we talked about this um, by Facebook chat, I think, uh-huh. uh, whatever it was, that uh, it might be better to do that in between christmas and new year's that it'd be that was that's the new year's wrap-up show is the clip show yeah yeah we can do that um but where I, are we i think it wise? should be a show of like you say best ofs and stuff so like what was the three best beers you had this year yeah what was the three best beers you had this my favorite year? thing ever growing up was the ed the sock year end thing 
I remember that. Yeah. I would cry. I would laugh until I was in tears and I would like record it and replay it over and over. I was a pretty big much music dork and I would do that with most things on much music, but I would tape it. Actually, I just acquired these tapes from my sister. They're now in my possession. I can't wait to hook up a VCR and start start watching them. But we would record <laughs> things on much music and then rewatch them and rewatch them and rewatch them until the tapes wore out. Nice. Um, so I'm sure as I go through, start watching some of them over the holidays, I'll find some Ed the Sock, like year end reviews or whatever he called that thing. I wish I could remember what it was called. Yeah, it wasn't year end review. It was something though. But yeah, I remember watching those. I'm gonna seek it. Good. I'm gonna seek it out because it was one of my favorite things growing up. And uh, I only wish that we could be half as funny as he was in our year end review. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a stretch for me anyway. But. <laughs> But yes, so hey, anybody who wants uh, anything reviewed year-end, you want to know what me and Mandy's best ofs were, fire that on over to us. Facebook, Twitter, we're all over the place. Go to the website, TorontoBeerPodcast.com. You can connect to us in a mosaic of ways there. And let us know what you need wrapped up for you. We will wrap it up. And Christmas extravaganza coming, unless Mandy has to reschedule. And it's all good. It's all, all good. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Right, Mandy? Right. hundred percent. Thanks for listening, Toronto. I'll talk to you in two weeks.